podcast in the world from WWE to DNA Impact by way of the NWA. It's time for Reffin' It Up with legendary referee Brian Hepner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all new episode starts in this. Is revving it up. Welcome back to Reffing It Up. I am RJ. I'm joined by the two greatest referees of all time. First and foremost, from the Great White North, Mr. Jimmy Carderas. And we're going to have to start calling him. The guns out, sun's out, guns out, Brian Hebner. But man, he's he's gonna get himself in trouble in these days. These thirst traps on Instagram. He's Brian Hebner. But Jimmy, man, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> well, I I haven't got the guns that Brian does. But then again, Brian at least doesn't wear a medium ref shirt while he's refereeing to try and show them <laughs> off. But anyways, I I digress. <laughs> yeah, this is this is true, Jimmy. This is true. Um, Welcome back, boys, to another episode here. Uh, but yeah, the sun's out, guns out's gone right now because uh, it's chilly here. So um, I'm wrapping these bad boys up. Now it's time for me to hide everything I've got, unless you follow me on Instagram, uh, until the summer comes out and then the uh, guns come back out. I can't mm. flex in a shirt with long. You you don't know how many times I shaved this for the show. I didn't even tell you this, Brian or Jimmy. You know how many times. I screenshotted that picture from you in the gym and it was going to come up with some clever comment. And I'm like, you know what? Delete, 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 delete. And we're not going to say anything about that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it was, it was quite impressive. I might say. <laughs> I tell you, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm not trying to put you over, bro, but man, those are some <laughs> guns. If you only knew the work I put in guys, that's the one thing I, mm. I, I me when I say hashtag work, work hard play hard, uh, it's it's true. I hear you, and and it shows. I well, and and like I told you, Brian, say hey, don't call it a comeback. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> he's for well, those of you that well, can't see that he's shaking his head very 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 fast back and forth. <laughs> well, yeah, don't call it a comeback. He's been here for years, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yes. It, it's it's not a comeback. I'm I'm pulling an out snow. I want to look better when I'm not in the business than I was and I did was in the business. Oh, you're on your well, way. Or either, <laughs> or, or either that, or just be like Billy Gunn and well into your. I'm not going to go how old he is, but still looks fantastic. Yeah, I mean, well, when you when you're start. not when you're not doing it anymore and hit the road, you got more time. I mean, you know what I mean. So I mean, it gives you True. more opportunities to be in and out of the gym like a rat. So, but anyway, enough about me. Let's go. <laughs> Well, yeah, coming up next week, you're going to see the Instagram pictures of Jimmy Corderas in the gym. Joking. <laughs> yes, big time joking. <laughs> Anyways, the only, the um, only gym I enter is the one that uh, has my room name on it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That, uh, that's all that matters. But anyways, guys, let's uh, let's set it up to our first count. This is your one count. Last week, um, some information, some news came out about the NWA, a promotion that you worked very close with um, uh, before, Brian. And let me just read this. This is coming from uh, the Wrestling Observer. 
Uh, the NWA is reportedly headed to the CW network. Billy Corgan teased last week during an appearance on the busted open radio that his promotion has recently signed a top quote, top 20 network end quote, according to a report from house of wrestling before uh, both TV deals are with the CW and an official announcement is coming re- relatively soon. It is believed that uh, of the two deals in it is for the rights to NWA power. And the other is for reality TV series based on what happens behind the scenes in the promotion. So gentlemen, we saw Jimmy, we saw the AEW do this um, a little while back with the, as far as the re- reality aspect of it. Um, me personally, and I'll get your first opinion first, Jimmy is I think it's great for the NWA to get up on the CW network here down here in the States. No, absolutely. It is. And like, you know, they said top 20 network and here's the, we get CW up here in Canada. Even if you don't have cable, that's the thing. CW network is available over the air with an antenna. And that's the beauty of it. You don't have to have cable. So it, it, it potentially has a wider uh, span for the NWA to get seen on television. And that's what you want. And you want to try and grow your audience. And by putting them on, on that platform, is a good first step. Now you have to try to entice your audience there outside of the diehard hardcore fans. You want to try and entice, you know, I, I I don't want to use the term, you know, casual fans like we always do, but maybe the lapsed fan, the one who's kind of turned away and, and kind of draw them back, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually super, super excited for the NWA. I really am. And Billy Corgan um, and, and, and all the talent backstage, um, I was kind of privy to a little bit of this information before it came out, and I'm not going to say by who, obviously, and I never said a word because I waited for it to come out because I didn't want to look like that dumbass that just comes out with some some stuff. But uh, but I knew about this now for probably, you know, almost uh, three weeks or more um, or was privy to this possibly happening, put it that way. Um, but, man, I can't be more excited for them. I mean, CW Network, like I said, uh, Jimmy, you touched on it. You, you don't need anything. You, it's, it's, it's on. Um, and it's going to it's going to widen their audience, widen their program, widen their talent and just do so much positive things for that for that company. I, I really can't say enough about it. And as far as the reality thing goes, I think that's very smart right now, because I think they're kind of piggybacking off of the wrestlers, which everyone was so excited. Um, and that's the Netflix series, uh, the wrestlers that was that, you know, that we've done a three part series on. I think that if. If, if if they're doing something like that, they probably have already started doing some sort of taping backstage. I was I would assume, especially getting ready to sign a deal. Uh, but I tell you, I'm excited for the NWA, and this is going to be really good. Uh, I enjoyed watching it before I was there, and really enjoyed watching it while I was there because obviously I got to watch myself be in that aspect of that that studio. No, what I'm saying is the studio portion of it. it it's mm-hmm. really cool the way that place looks. And Billy went over the top to make it look back like it was back in the day on TBS. It's uh, really cool. Now, do you, uh, Brian, was there any, when you were with NWA, uh, before you went back to Impact and then since then retired from there, but was there any talks when you were there? You rumblings, and you don't have to say if you if you don't want to, obviously. Was there any talks then with something like this happening back when you were there? And that goes back, what, probably about five, six years? At least. But but no, there was 
because Billy doesn't, what's crazy about this whole thing to me, Billy doesn't agree with the programming on, on cable or network. He's had conversations with me over and over again. He believes that the wrestling audience or the TV audience is going in a different direction anymore with streaming online, YouTube and all that stuff. I think that's why they were so strong with this, this YouTube um, thing that they were doing previous, you know, to obviously signing a TV deal. We all in the back were like kind of in a way we not, 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 I don't mean this to be negative, but we were kind of like, Billy's crazy. We need to get a network. We need to get a TV deal. Um, but I, it, it shocked me because of that, because he really didn't believe that was the platform to go. So I guess he's probably changed and, and, uh, he, who says he's wrong. I mean, he might be right in about five years, six years, who knows, but right now, he needs a deal. And I think this really helps them out. And he can still, as you noticed, when he had the press release or whatever it was, he still said they were going to be very, very active with the YouTube and the streaming stuff they do. So uh, it was sh shocking to me that they went after a network or a network went after them. Yeah, uh, no, I totally agree because uh, like, like you said, Billy Corgan, according, as you said, Brian believes that the future is probably going to be online and on demand streaming, that sort of kind of, uh, you know, presentation. But right now, the money is in television, actual television, being on a television network, on a station. You know, right. You look at the WWE right now, they're making money off a TV deal. AEW is making money off a great TV deal. Impact Wrestling, which we'll talk about soon. Uh, again, TV is where the money is currently. Will it evolve in the future to being a lot of online presentation and that sort of thing? Probably, and it likely will, but at, like you said, five years, six years down the road. But in the meantime, you have to capitalize on your investment and putting it on TV, I think, is a good start. Hmm. You know, somebody that's been uh, really been that cornerstone of television for AEW um, has been Sting. Uh, and last week he came um, on Dynamite, I believe, and announced that he will be retiring after the AEW Revolution pay-per-view next year, 2024, which I, going back into a little research, I believe is in March of 2024. Uh, Jimmy, Sting has been literally the icon for this business for decades. Uh, yeah. um, obviously, he's going on his terms. So you think, he mentioned that I, through the, you know, rumor and innuendo says he wants to do it as a tag match with Darby. Who do you think, first and foremost, obviously, what are your thoughts on this? And I, and then secondly, who do you think that tag team should be that they face? That's that's the interesting part. Uh, I, first of all, I like the idea of announcing it early. Maybe, uh, is it too early? You can make that debate. But at the same time, this could be a nice buildup to whenever that match comes about and have people talking and discussing and looking forward to it. So I like the fact that it was announced early. He has a game plan in mind. Is it going to be a tag match with Darby Allen? Who knows who they face? That's the big question. Is it somebody from his past? Do you know what I mean? Or is it someone currently? Because mm -hmm. usually, as you as the, the saying goes, the old saying in the business, you go out looking at the lights to elevate the next guy. But in this case, if he's doing a tag match, then it's possibly elevating Darby as opposed to elevating the elevating the people that they're facing. As far as who they face, I've been thinking about it. I just can't come up with if you want to make it a good match, a really good match, you can put the gun boys, you can put the FTR, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you want it, you want a team out there that's going to get 
booed. You don't want them against the babyface team, if that makes any mm-hmm. kind of sense. Because mm-hmm. you know whoever they go against is going to get booed. <laughs> right. To me, to me, it's perfect timing for Sting, honestly, um, because we he he had that one that one spot that we all are going to remember that we are wondering why the fuck he did it, where he jumped onto that table and chipped his tooth, and that kind of thing. And um, I, I think that was probably, to be honest with you, that's when it hit him, and he was like, "Man, I need I need to get out of this stuff, man." Uh, you know, but um, as far as the match goes. Um, Tony, no disrespect, because I am too. I know Jimmy is, and I know RJ is. But Tony Tony Khan is a mark, okay? He's a mark. He's going to bring in and have a match with something like, I'm not saying this is it. Oh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to guess. I'm going to go with Sting and Darby Allen versus Ric Flair and Jeff Jarrett. Ooh. Hmm. That's what I'm going with. He's already got Jarrett there. There's a lot of history right. there. There's a lot of history there. And then, of course, Flair is, a, you know, just floating out there. He's not on the contract, as, as far as I know. And I know it's been rumored uh, that that would be something that would happen. Mm-hmm. But or even a Goldberg, even a Goldberg and Jeff, you know, mm-hmm. but that's that's my guess. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, whatever. Not to, not to cut you off, Brian, but if it is someone like a Ric Flair, it, it's it's one of those situations where here we go. We talk about you know, the twisting, burning 450 Hammer Phoenix splash, they won't have to do anything. It'd almost be like that Rock Hogan situation at WrestleMania 18 where they just stood across the ring from each other. Can you imagine Sting and Flair in the ring one more time, looking back and forth, and the crowd going crazy, going banana. And then and then finally getting that tag, Jimmy? Both of oh. them tag. Tag, yeah. tag, bang. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think to piggyback off what you said, Brian, what about, I don't know what his condition is, but what about Flair and Steamboat? Mm. I know that's probably different ends of the spectrum, but or even Steamboat and and uh, um, Jarrett. Because I don't, I don't see the big history with Steamboat and Sting. Steamboat. I, right, right. I, I don't see that as much as I do with Flair, Jarrett, or Goldberg. Sure. Right. Yeah. Just because I, I knew Steamboat had that working relationship there with with AEW. So, um, yeah, just a thought. We'll we'll, we'll see. Who knows? And it's we got as as we said, boys, we got plenty of time between now and March of 2024. So should and, be here like, a lot sooner. <laughs> yeah. And like you guys said, going out on his terms, that's the main thing. He, going out the way he wants to go out is yeah. kind of it's, it's a nice show of respect. Let's put it that way. And by the way, and by the way, I know Sting very, very well. And what a wonderful human being that deserves to do it on his own time and has stayed in this business longer because he's been forced by some previously that were under ownership of the now. Oh, I don't want to touch on that yet. We're going to go there. But anyway, uh, the now <laughs> team. Um, but anyway, let's move on. Uh, but what a great guy. I just want to know that he's a great guy because he is. You know, you mentioned them. We'll go to that transition this past weekend. Uh, they had Bound for Glory in Chicago for Impact Wrestling. Um, and then for those of you that stayed till the absolute end, and I mean the absolute end, gentlemen, there was a promo at the end that announced as of January 13th on pay-per-view, Hard to Kill from the Palms in Las Vegas, TNA Wrestling will officially return as part of the wrestling landscape uh brian i'll go with you first 
being a part of that company as long as you have being a, I, I, and I say that as far as being part of that family because I've been like I said I've said this previous on on shows but Impact Wrestling TNA is a family it's unlike any wrestling promotion I've ever seen and um I think this is a great great move for them because when my son Gavin, 11 years old, he watches WWE, I think you're going to start to see a lot of guys, gals, whom, whatever, my age, 39, 40, 41, whatever, having their kids watch TNA like I did growing up. Um, but I think it's just one of those recognize they want that chant, that TNA, TNA. We'll see. But Brian, what are your thoughts on this, though? Well, to me, it's more than just TNA, TNA, TNA chance. Uh, I think that it's 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 because of the way that Scott Demore and Anthem have been able to keep this brand that everyone thought was dead alive, and kept it to where it's it, it, it's 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 held its own. It's held its own, and not only that, but it's what people that for for ten. Plus years. Uh, what was their anniversary? The, the, the TNA anniversary show was what? Their what? Um, that we that we no that I last went to. Oh, um, anniversary. Yes, but what, what was the celebration? Though? Was it ten years, twenty years? What was it? Uh, twenty. Twenty. Okay, so twenty years. People really knew that company for most of that as TNA wrestling. Mm-hmm. Well, then they. Tra- and the impact wrestling. So now they're back at their roots where people will really know what TNA wrestling is. Most people honestly don't really know as much about impact wrestling as they do TNA. Now here's my problem. What does that physically obviously do for that company? Like, what does that do? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what that does. Are they trying to say, if you put TNA on the marquee in Chicago, as opposed to impact wrestling, you're going to draw more people. I don't know that to be true. I'm not saying it's not true, but I have a hard time believing that's true. So I don't really know what it does except bring its hardcore fans happier because they're back where they were when they originated and started watching it. I don't know. It's, it, it, I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. It's fine. I just don't know what it does for them. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that, Brian. You almost stole my thunder there because I was thinking the exact same thing. As I talk about here a lot, it's a business. And that's what you talk about, expanding your business, growing your business. Does the name change do that? Yes, it's great to reminisce about the the the, the glory days of TNA back in the day where people were really invested in it. And they looked at it as, uh, you know, these, the big brand behind the, the machine WWE. You know, there was a little bit of a rivalry, a little bit of a competition going back and forth. And... Yes, I like the fact that they changed the name to Impact and tried to grow it and evolve the business and move it forward. I'm just I'm worried that some people might look this look at this as a step backwards by reverting the name back to its its former you know incarnation. Uh, the the brand has been good. Don't get me wrong; they do they put on a great product that's 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 fun to watch. But at the same time, you know it's the perception in people's minds when they hear that this name is going back to TNA. Will it? Will it? Like Brian said, will it gain new viewers? Will it grow your audience? That's the question. And the last thing I'll say, and I'll touch on this, the last thing I'll say. Um, 
they are one of the best products out for real. Simply, they, they just simply are. It's easy to follow. And I've said this over and over again on, on, on our episodes uh, here at Reffing It Up, but I just wish there would be a TV deal announced along with the TNA name change. Like if they were the ones that announced that they were on the CW network and they were changing and TNA wrestling is bad on the CW network would be so like wrestling earth shattering, not earth shattering for the world, but wrestling earth shattering. You know what I mean? But just changing the name is awesome. I get it because that's what most people really, like really think about. Uh, my kids had a hard time going to school and telling people that they work for that my dad worked for TNA wrestling because the teachers were thinking it was tits and ass. Um, <laughs> You know, it was one of those things. I mean, I even got email, but one of the teachers was like, can you please explain to me what this TNA wrestling is that you do? Um, so, but, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's cool for them. It is. It's cool for the locker room. It's cool for the company, but I hope it does something for them, but I just can't figure it out yet. Yeah. Hopefully something that's, you said a TV deal. Hopefully it's something that's coming down the pipeline to Wisconsin more. Who knows? We don't know. Yeah. I'm definitely here to find out uh, what, what's down uh, the pipeline for, TNA wrestling, AKA impact, what have you. Um, but something I am here for is our Reffin review. This is Reffin review. Last week, gentlemen, uh, well, our, our good buddy was at it again. Mr. Bryce Remsburg, uh, was stopping the match. Between, I believe it was Ryan Nemeth and Wardlow. After mm-hmm. Wardlow power bombed him so many times, I don't, I didn't get this. I saw it live, and I didn't. I still don't get it. But Jimmy, mindset is: Have you ever seen this type of thing happen before? Outside of AEW, of course. No, uh, referee stoppage. It's it's it was a very rare thing, and it should be ha- it should happen on. Like I said, rare occasions. Now, are you talking about the one after the uh, the, the referee stoppage after the one power bomb? One power yes. one. I could understand if he hits him with the power bomb, lets him sell, picks him up, gives it to him again, leaves him, lets him sell as the referee's checking, and then grabs him and gives him a third one. And then the referee says, "Okay, this is enough. You're going to really this can cause some damage." But after one power bomb, yes, I get that that's his finish. But at the same time, it, what happens the next time? So is everybody going to get knocked out with one power bomb? You know what I mean? It's it just, it. I, I don't know how to put it in words succinctly. It just, it didn't sit well with me after one power bomb. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. If he, if he gave him the one power bomb and even stood on him with one foot on his chest for the three count, I could buy that. But for the referee stoppage there, it just didn't sit well with me. Okay. So, we are not here to pick on AEW referees. And I know it sometimes it seems like it, but gentlemen and ladies, you keep giving us material, damn it. So <laughs> anyway, I don't actually blame this on Bryce. I don't. He's he was told to do this, obviously. Right. So to touch on that, why anyone would tell Bryce to do that is asinine. It made no sense. It made <laughs> Jimmy, to touch on your, it makes that kid Nemeth or whatever his name is look like he's nothing. Yeah. So I hope you know that, that that kid may agree to do that. He might have got a decent check, but he he means nothing to the indie world. He means nothing to anybody else. He got beat after one fucking power bomb. All right, well, 
Jimmy, I need you to give me the analogy that you give where they jump in Phoenix. What What is that? Twisting, burning, 450, hammer, Phoenix splash. Okay, great. And they kick out after that. Oh, three of them. They all kick out after that. But one power bomb, they can't do anything, and the referee has to stop it. Then explain it story-wise. I mean, the announcers are even going, well, Bryce Rimberg stops the match. Wow. Da, da, da. They didn't even know what to fucking say. Right. It was just horrible. It was bad, and it didn't do anything for Wardlow. It didn't do anything for his opponent, and it definitely didn't do anything for Bryce. Bad, bad segment. Agree 110%. Uh, so we'll move on to our next little piece of business here in Riff and Review. Uh, and this came to us from Zebra Talk, uh, David Weekly Jr. He asked for, in general, uh, why would a referee put his hands on the talent to show their authority? Is it okay to cross the line to become the center of attention? Uh I'm going to start with Jimmy first because I'm mm. pretty sure Brian Brian's going to be going on a little rant. So, Jimmy, what what do you think about uh, about this question? The re- referee should be limited in how much they physically touch the wrestlers or put their hands on them. You know, I understand when you're put, stepping between them to make them break off the ropes or something like that. But it, it, it depends on when he says, why would you put your hands on the talent to show their authority? It, in certain situations, it helps, but not like you're physically going, hey, get the hell back. It's kind of like, come on, man, let's back up here. Get it back. Um, you know, and you start your count or whatever and maybe put a, you know, a hand on him as you're trying to stay separate two talents. That's different. It, it's it, it's very it's a very subtle way of doing it without being, hey, trying to look like, uh, well, Brian looks physically like he can pushback but that's a different story altogether <laughs> with his guns there but yeah again limited in, uh physical interaction between the referees and the talent should be a priority and only done when necessary to show that it was important for him to get somewhat tiny bit physical let's put it that way so i actually talked to a referee last night about this and this is actually the reason why this is in uh, ref and review. Um, he works for a major promotion. Um, he wanted me to give him what I thought about this. Okay. So whenever I train a referee, I try to train them and compare them to a UFC official. The reason why I do that is because of this. They don't put their hands on the guys. We shouldn't put our hands on the guys. But there's certain situations where we have to put our hands on the guys. And it's not to show authority. It's just to show that they need to commit. Uh, what's the word? Uh, I don't know. Obliged by the rules. Okay. So as Jimmy was saying, if they're in the corner and we get to where we're almost at five and we want you to continue fighting because we want to watch this, this, this match happen for the title and when the fans want to see it, you grab their arm. You, you, you tell them you warn them, but I'm not shoving them around the ring. No, that's not that's not appropriate. I don't believe you should ever show that you're powerful or more powerful than the boys. I think that's bullshit. You don't need to grab them and shove them and all that stuff. Um, he asked me last night, too, about the Earl Hebner stuff that he used to do. Well, guess what? That was generally done on house shows. It wasn't done on TV where him and Triple H were shoving each other back and forth or him and Flair back and forth. Sometimes, I'm not saying it wasn't called on TV, maybe, but that was a different era kind of thing. I mean, you know, but I didn't agree with that either. 
I thought it was funny, but it was too ha ha. Uh, it, it was too ha ha for me. But if you want to be taken as a serious referee, first of all, stop selling every fucking thing that they do. We won't have time to get into that one, thank God, because that's when I would lose my <laughs> fucking mind. <laughs> but excuse me, only appropriately touching the boys, stopping them, putting your hands on them is appropriate. If, if I can shorten this up, just like when a UFC referee dives in to stop between rounds or stops when somebody's getting knocked out, to that effect. Uh, other than that, the referee should be like a UFC guy. They're not selling it. They've seen punches before. Fuck. They've seen people get kicked. They've seen. So have we. Let's act like that. Like we've seen it before. We've been there. You know, and these indie referees, no disrespect. They're watching AEW and thinking it's a major promotion, which it is. They just don't have major league referees. And they're thinking that shit's OK. And that's the problem in today's world in the referee business. If you want to be a shitty referee, watch AEW if you're an indie guy because you're going to learn bad shit, overselling, and trying to be the show. You're not the fucking show. I don't know how many times I want to say that. Go, Jimmy, please. No, no, no. It's just, uh, <laughs> like you said, selling everything. It's okay to have a slight reaction, of a very subtle one. Like, you know, if the punch looked like it was solid and connected, it's okay to give a little, ooh. You know what I mean? Ooh, that sure. looked like I connect. But when you go over the top and you lift your hands up and you grab your own chin and you're doing all this stuff, Come on, man. You didn't get hit. You know, I get it. It's a visual business, but the visual contact should be with, with the talent in the ring. You're helping the talent tell their story. You're not trying to be part of the story. Yeah. I'm, the, the biggest thing I want to say is just I'm, I'm sick of the overselling bullshit. And I really am. And it's mm -hmm. over the top and they do it on purpose. This is not something, I mean, unless he has some kind of, or she has some kind of disorder that I don't know about or something. I don't know. And I'm sorry if it is. I mean, but what I'm saying is, Fuck, you're more. I had someone at my house that doesn't watch wrestling and was watching wrestling. We literally were taking shots watching a particular referee because it was so fucking comical. It was it was over the top. It, I mean, it really was. It was a match within itself. It was unbelievable. But anyway, enough for that. I, I, RJ, you, you love trying to get me fired up and it happens every fucking week. All right, I'm done. I'm not fired up. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I enjoy. But then you do something else to get back at me, so that works. But why don't we send it up to our second count and bring in our guest, Mr. Caleb Conley. This is your two count. We are back with our second count. Gentlemen, I am very pleased and honored to welcome. You've seen him in ROH. You've seen him in CZW. You've seen him in the NWA and Impact Wrestling. He is Caleb with a K. Caleb Conley. Caleb, what's, welcome to the show, man. Oh, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Caleb, what's going on, buddy? Dude, I'm just sitting here hustling, trying to trying to be a good guy, like always. Just doing, doing my thing. Well, it sucks seeing you on here, but I love having you on here. But I would rather see you in person at some um, Marriott hotel where a bar's at, where we can sit down and drink and just talk about how we hate everybody. Oh man, that sounds like the best time ever. <laughs> I want that so bad right now. You mean that happens all the that's one of the things that hasn't changed in the wrestling business over the years is those little get-togethers at the hotel bar having a little sip here and there and talking about ah oh, that guy I can't believe so and so. <laughs> I think they're further and far between these days. I, all, all the all the guys are uh 
in their rooms playing video games and stuff. There's not many, not many people hanging out at the bar anymore. Caleb, have you ever seen me in a room playing video games? Just wondering. Uh, not, not once. Not even, <laughs> not even a little bit. Not even well, on I'm your just... phone. Okay, so, okay. Now I have to say it. So, Brian, tell tell Caleb how how many times have you lost your phone in the last six months? Why are you so fucking infatuated with me losing my phone? Oh man, why you got because, because out, it's because it's because it's old. Oh, it's it's technology, and I, I, I it's come on, Caleb. I lost my phone. I went to the Redskin game with D'Lo Brown. I lost my phone there, and then not only that, on to, to top of that, just like to put topping on it. I left my my man bag in the Uber ride too. Oh man, wow, that's rough times. I I have left keys in Uber. I've left phones in Uber. Uh, you know, we've all been there, yeah. especially especially after a long night of that Marriott bar talking shit about everybody, and then you got to head right to the Uber. See, RJ, look, see, people well, do it, but but it's the only thing I have though. I'm like, you got like, wait, whatever, but. We'll, we'll, we're getting the, moment, the weeds the out here. I don't feel my phone like in my pocket or in my hand or something. I have like a, a tiny little panic attack until I find it. Uh, my keys, on the other hand, I am a frequent loser of keys all the time. Wow. Okay. Well, well, as Jinx Man would say, RJ hasn't left his house since Hitler was a corporal. So, uh, <laughs> okay. I hate to steer this back towards wrestling, but I have some questions. Uh, a question for Caleb, if he, if you don't mind here. Absolutely. Again, I want to start from the beginning because all of us that got into this business in some form or fashion were fans as a young kid. You were a fan as a young kid. But Absolutely. When did, you, when did it hit you and say, you know, this is something I want to do for a living and how do I go about doing this and where you started? Okay, so in the 80s when I was, you know, not even alive yet, my <laughs> father worked for uh, David Allen Co. And oh. He went on the road with Great American Bash, uh, and I guess Dusty and David were really good friends, and my father, uh, working for him, was a big wrestling fan. So he got to be around all the wrestlers in the 80s and stuff, and he had kind of toyed around about starting to be a professional wrestler, but, you know, he had a pretty good gig with David, and, you know, I was about to be born, and all this stuff was going on, so he just kind of stayed on the road doing music and, and doing the country music stuff. And then around 1990, when I was four years old, four or five years old, he, you know, my little brother was born and he was a little bit better off. And he just decided he was going to start wrestling just like on the side when he wasn't touring, when he wasn't on the road, he would, you know, give it a little shot. Uh, and by that time I was already as, you know, a five-year-old in kindergarten, I was already wanting to be a pro wrestler. Uh, it was just built into me since, since I was, can can't remember uh but then you know 96 when wcw started doing the cruiserweight division and all that stuff that kind of was like the first time i was like oh well that's not you know six foot seven hulk hogan like that's a mysterios and d malinkos and chris jericho's and all those kind of guys like i was like oh man i can i can definitely see myself doing that kind of thing so that was when I like I always wanted to do it and i was like a giant sting fan i was a giant road warriors fan but you know i didn't I never thought I was going to be six foot five, 275 pounds. So when cruiserweight stuff kicked off, that was the first time I was like, Hey, I could maybe actually do this. Caleb, uh, let's, uh, yes, sir. let's go back in history for a minute. But uh, when it I'm, comes to, um, we, you might be the longest 
Um, I don't know. Close. The longest wrestler that I've ever known or, or, or been around. Uh, we started back uh, back in the day day. Um, remember the uh, will you touch on that? I'll let you touch on that. Sure. Uh, the Hermie Sadler shows, right? The UWF. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. in 2007. I was 2000, uh, 2007. I was two years in. I had started training in 2005 in Georgia. And then in 2007, I got a job with high spots in North Carolina and they were helping do the merch. Uh, the couple of the kids that were training here, Jake Manning, Charlie dreamer, we were all doing the ring for those shows. So we would set up the shows. We would set up all the merchandise for the shows and then they would throw us a bone and give us a match on the shows. So that was, you know, I was 20 years old and that was the first time I ever got to meet Brian. And like immediately I was already marking out for him cause he's a Hebner. Like, <laughs> And then, and then he's just then he's just the best guy also like there was no like big ego or anything you know some of the guys you never know I'm 20 years old I'm a nobody I don't know who I'm like allowed to talk to or not like I, I was in the dressing room with Scott Steiner I thought he's gonna kill me the whole time so then I gotta be around <laughs> you like it's the best I, well I actually physically remember coming up to you while you were putting the ring together and I was like hey dude what's up and you were like hey uh like you were really shy too yeah I, well, like, I, I always have yeah. been yeah a little well, bit not around me anymore but but what yeah. i'm saying i was just like hey and you were like really shy and i was like so uh what brings you in here and you were like telling me the whole thing and i was just like okay and i was like are you a worker and you were like well i think i am i'm trying um i've got a match to do and you said yeah and i said you know what i'm gonna sign myself to that match i think you're a cool dude man you're work working your ass off because i mean i pay attention to shit when i get to these arenas early especially yeah. Hermie, me and Hermie and my dad used to ride together to go to all these buildings. And we would get there early. And I pay attention. You were just doing every fucking thing, man. You were just moving around, moving around, moving around. I was just like, wow, whatever. And anyway, so it, it was cool, man. And yes, you're all right. I treat everybody the same, man. It, it don't matter if you're on the ring crew, if you're setting up chairs. I don't give a fuck. You're working hard to put out a wrestling product, and that makes me happy. I appreciate it. I'm glad, I'm glad I had a, a good memory in your eyes there. That's awesome. And, and and if 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 I understand correctly, you were trained by George South, who uh, yes, I, I, I had the pleasure of uh, getting to work with back in the day as uh, when he did some work for WWF at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He loves to talk it, about it. Yeah. It's very <laughs> interesting to know what, how was he as a trainer and what did you learn? What was the biggest thing you took away from his uh, training? What did you learn? Uh, you know, George is so super old school. He is so stuck in his way of like the way he was trained. And early on, you know, you know, as a dumb kid who doesn't know anything, like, you know, I would go to his classes and I would train and, you know, I always listened to George, but you know, in the back of your head, you're like, ah, you know, times have changed and things are different now. But like the older I get, the more I like go, yeah, well, George was right about everything. Like he, he, he just, he knows how, to this day, like every weekend he can go out there and call zero in the back, minimal in the back, whatever it is, he can go out there and he'll entertain the crowd for 20, 30, 45 minutes, however long it needs to be done. He knows exactly how to get a crowd every time. George is a, is a really, really Southern good old boy. Absolutely. And I, you feel like that guy would be the guy you'd call if you if you um, 
lost your job and had no money and needed somewhere to stay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He would help out anybody. He would help out anybody at any time if he could. He's, uh, he is such a, a wild character and, uh, but he's just got like the heart of gold. Like he'll help out anybody. He does. And, 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 and here's another question though. And hopefully, okay. hopefully it's what my, your answer should be. Uh, I don't know. Uh, is anybody that works harder though than him? I mean, really seriously, that that guy has no lazy bone in his body at all. No, unless, absolutely not. I mean, unless it's after the show and he's fucking completely done. No, hmm. he 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 to this day like he 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 works two, three, four days a week. You know, he'll drive himself. You know, most guys at his like they'll have a young boy drive him to the show wherever it is. He drives everywhere all the time. Uh, I did a I did a show with him in West Virginia. Oh man, I, I was maybe 21, 22 or whatever, and it was like a six or seven hour drive. And he drove the whole way there. We ended. We were. I mean, we had we left at like six o'clock in the morning. We were like fifteen hours early for the show. It was ridiculous. But he had to get his merchandise set up. He had to get ready. Like he's just you know sitting at the table doing his gear. And then like so we were gonna drive back that night. And you know everyone's like, hey, can you you know let someone else drive? And he's nope. No one else is driving. He would he would roll down his window. He would have a water bottle and he would just squirt himself so make sure he didn't fall asleep. And he just <laughs> you know he he just won't stop. Like you you get a hotel with him and uh, I don't know. There's two or three people and I, you know I'll take the floor. Whoever else take the floor. George, you can get it. No, no, I'll just sleep in a chair. And then it'll be you know you'll wake up at three four o'clock in the morning. He's just sitting in a chair like fucking texting. I don't know who he's texting. I don't know. He would he just he might be writing. A book. I don't know what he's doing, but he's not sleeping. <laughs> That's amazing. Is that is that one of the biggest things you took away from George's that that work attitude that, that that you know never 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 quit? Yeah, he he never quits. There's never like a backup plan. There's never like a moment of like, hey, maybe I'll just go sell cars or be a mechanic or whatever, whatever it is. It's no, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. I'm going to do this until the wheels fall off. I'm going to do this till my heart stops. And he just. It's not like he sl- he doesn't slow down. He just continuously he's he's selling his action figure right now. He's getting he's in the process of getting an action figure. He's just he hustles from the time he wakes up to the time he goes to bed. And he, you know what? He might not even go to bed. He just might just hustle twenty four seven. Amazing. Oh, and it's... Uh, hold on, real quick. How how old is George? Yeah. Do you know roughly idea? I believe George was born in sixty two, so that would make him sixty one. Mm. Okay. Well, for the, those of y'all who don't know what we're talking about, George South is just a long embedded wrestling figure forever. And mm-hmm. you need to Google. Google him out. Yeah. His name is George yeah. South. What a great, great character, great wrestler. Mm-hmm. All, all, yeah, but anyway, RJ, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, he just turned 61 on the 7th of, of September. All right. Caleb can, Caleb can add. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's a heck of a year. I'm decent at math. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but, but the thing is, though, too, and that's very a lot of good things that you learn from him. But I think also, too, is you learn to do many different things, you know, oh, whether yeah, it be, sure. you know, you, you portrayed suicide in TNA. You yep. did a lot of the cruiserweight wrestling. You did a lot of, you know, the stuff you did with uh, Madison Rain and Tino Dashwood. You did a little bit of everything. Is that something that, you know, you make yourself kind of like 
irreplaceable, I guess you could say. Well, I would like to think I was irreplaceable, but they seem to do a pretty good job of replacing me. But <laughs> yes, uh, I've, I've always kind of been like, I'm going to find a way into whatever it is that I'm trying to get into. Like, you want a serious wrestler? I can be a serious wrestler. You want a high flyer? I can be a high flyer. You want a power guy? Well, I'll try my hardest. I'll do anything I can. You want a comedy guy? I'll yuck it up as hard as I can. You know, like, I feel like I just, I'll, I'm, I'm pro, maybe being a jack of all trades isn't the best thing. Maybe just being the very, very best at one thing is the best way. But I was always like, they, they need to fill a spot somewhere. And I don't want to give them a reason not to give that spot to me. If you got that much variety and what you can bring to the table and stuff like that, in my opinion, I think that makes you more valuable because you can be plugged into different situations as opposed to being uh, pigeonholed, for lack of yeah. a better term. I agree with that completely. Yeah. I'm... <laughs> somebody somebody, get a producer on the phone and tell them to hire me because I'll do whatever I can. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, Caleb. I'm on it right oh, now. Man, but... Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. <laughs> Well, I lost my phone, so I don't have it. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. Okay, there Not you go. Again. Just dig, dig, Not just again. Dig it. <laughs> so, Caleb, I have to ask you about the suicide character. I really do. Uh, we had Christopher hey, Daniels. Go ahead. I said, K-Fabe. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> no I'm no. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, this show's non-K-Fabe, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, the suicide character, I have to ask you about. All right, first of all, we had Daniels on here. I don't want to say anything about what he said. I just want to hear what your opinion is. First of all, how did it come to you? And what did you think about it? And how do you feel you did with it? Okay. Um, so Impact hired me early 2016, I think. Um, and I signed a contract. And the contract was per episode and they were barely using me. So I was, I thought I had signed this contract and my whole life was going to change. And then I, you know, I had a couple matches and then I sat at home for months and then nothing really happened. And then when the global force impact merger thing happened there for a little bit, um, I guess Jeff Jarrett really liked, the suicide character and wanted to bring it back. And it had been, you know, I guess since Perkins had been there since they had used it and I was, you know, nothing, I was doing nothing. Uh, and they said, Hey, um, I got an idea for you. And I go, well, does it get me on TV? And they said, sure, you're going to be suicide. And I go, sign me up, sign me <laughs> right up. Uh, so that was, yeah, it was just another thing that I was, you know, willing to try to do and make the best of, uh, I don't know that they really cared at that point to like do anything really with it. I just feel like they needed, they wanted to put a merit mask character back on TV or just wanted to fill a role, or maybe they just wanted to throw me a bone and find something for me to do. Uh, but at the same time, I was also right after I started doing the suicide thing, they also had me teaming with Trevor Lee doing that. So it almost, it became a, a joke I think they were ribbing me to see how fast I could get out of the suicide outfit and into my cult of Lee gear and then back into suicide gear. Cause sometimes we'd be doing three TV tapings in a day and I would have to wrestle on all of them as different people. <laughs> just, just really qu quickly, because you did portray the suicide character and others did as well. Did you feel 
So did you put some added pressure on yourself thinking, oh, I got to follow these guys as the suicide character. I got to live up to the to the name, so to speak. Yeah, it was because, I mean, I am I am genuinely a fan of everybody who did it before me. So, like, I didn't want to go out there and just suck. So, you know, and, you know, there's there's certain things that TJP can do that I can't do. And there's certain things that, you know, Christopher Daniels is really good at that I'm not. So I kind of had to, like go back and look at everyone who had done it and just kind of figure out like, Hey, I can do this and I can do this and I can do this. And then I can add those all together and then add some of my own flair into it and make it, you know, suicide four or five or whatever it is, make it my own kind of. Mm-hmm. So when you, you know, you go from, like you said, you go from like a suicide character to a diff- this character. Are you watching, um, tape you watching video i know it's an old school concept but um nowadays but are you going back and you're watching old school tapes from like the 80s 90s attitude era to kind of get different move sets so you kind of just so to speak reinvent yourself oh yeah definitely i like definitely like stuff from the 80s or whatever but a lot of it would be like uh let me watch some just random lucha libre that i've that you know, no one in America had seen, or let's watch some like uh, Japanese women's wrestling from the early nineties, just like things that things that people aren't going to go, Hey, he stole that from Scott Steiner in 93, or Hey, that was something they did in a WrestleMania, you know, or whatever. I just try to like make it as a, a stuff that I would do as obscure as possible. Kind of, mm-hmm. but I would watch it all. And by the way, I'm looking at my show notes. How in the fuck do you know that you started in 2016 in April? Because you're dead on. The fuck? I didn't know I started in April. I I just knew it was early. I okay. So, uh, I before Impact for TNA, I was with uh, WWN Evolve and Dragon Gate USA, and I remember the week. The week of WrestleMania, when everyone would do the WrestleMania shows in New Orleans, I think it was 2014, 2014 or 2015, uh, Bob Ryder had called me and goes, hey, uh, what was the the competition show that TNA was doing? Uh, what do you mean? Oh, um, they're like, they're like oh, toughing gut, up. Gut check? Gut check? Oh, gut check, yes. They, they, Bob had called me and goes, hey, would you be interested in doing gut check? And I had just signed a contract with WWN again. And I was like, fuck. So then, like, I think my contract, since it started WrestleMania week of 2014, it ended WrestleMania week of 2016. So I messaged him right away and was like, hey, contract just ended. Could you still use me? And, you know, he got me on the next set of shows and they signed me. So. So, uh, no, <laughs> so no, good timing, no. I guess. So, so I find it very interesting that you go back and watch old tapes because, you know, some of the stuff I, I, I watch today kind of gets a, a little bit under my skin because, yes, I get that the business evolves and yes. grows and, and so forth. But me- melding old school with new school is is seems to be becoming a lost art because everybody wants to reinvent the business as opposed to evolve the business. Does that make kind of any kind of sense to you? That That absolutely makes sense to me. And like it's been said to me before, you know, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but I've been given this compliment and it's like one of the best compliments I could ever get. It was like, Hey, your matches are really old school, but with like a new school flair to them. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I want. Like I want the the story to be old school. I want like 
the feeling of it to feel like it used to feel, but like, give me, I'll give you a cool high spot here and there, you know, something they weren't going to do, you know, in the seventies, eighties. And, and sell. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and Caleb, I think you I still remember how to do that. Oh, you do. You're, you're <laughs> such a modest fuck. Um, but like RJ kind of touched on it earlier. You work for NWA, you work for TNA at this point, by the way. Uh, Dragon Gate USA, Evolve, um, ROH, DZW. Um, you actually did, haven't you touched, haven't you like gone to the surface of WWE at some point? I mean, I've done extra spots. I've never really done anything there. Okay. So my question is this. What, what, what would make any guy or woman work so hard like you do? And, and people don't, if, if they don't know who you are, they can Google you too. And I don't think they don't. But what makes it where you just continue to keep working hard and trying to figure out where you're going to be, what you're going to do? Because it, 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 for me, I've, I've, I've floated around as well. I've floated around as well. I, I've been to Ring of Honor. I've been to NWA. I've been to TNA. I've been to WWE. I've been to, uh, to Miss Something. Um, whatever. What stability are you looking for, and what's going to make you stop? Not like not stop, and just say I'm going to. What what keeps you going? What keeps you going to try and figure out where you're going? I get on my phone and I look at my bank account and I go, "Oh shit, I got to work." Honestly, honestly, since I since I have been an adult, the only thing I've known is, "Hey, I got to make this town. I got to get in the gym. I got to." get to every show I can. I got to get better. I got to do whatever it is. So like, I don't, I don't know another way at this point. So it's just grind until I can't anymore. And how old are you? I, oh, have, I turned 37. 37, 37 years old. Okay. Um, yeah. so, which is actually very young still in this business. You know, Ooh, I wish compared- I felt that way, man. <laughs> me. I, I, well, I, yes. It, what, what a lot of people don't understand is the physical toll it takes on your body. But at the same time, you you still have I'm assuming goals in mind something you'd love to achieve. What is the biggest goal you haven't achieved yet that you'd love to achieve? Um, I mean I still want to be signed to a you know a, a national company. I would I would be happy with I don't know a championship at a on a on a pay per view or just a championship at all. I would just if I had this a stable job of uh of being a wrestler on a national company. I feel like I've been around and I've done things to put me in a good position to fill a producer role at some point. So I would love to just keep on doing that and transition right to producing until I can't do that anymore, which hopefully I could do that forever. I feel like, um, and I want to touch on this in the third count, to be honest with you, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but so I'll, I'll leave that alone. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, I'll right. get there. I'll get there because it, it matches with some other stuff that's questioned. But um, I do want to ask, you've had so many gigs. You've had so many different characters. You've had so many different people that you've worked with. At this point in your career, what's your best, you think, that where Caleb was shown off properly, were able to just show who you are as a wrestler, a character, because you've had so many, so like, what 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 do you think's your favorite that maybe people know about or maybe not know about? 
Um, the Caleb with the K stuff, the last time I was at Impact was a lot of fun. That was probably the most fun I'd had in wrestling. I got to do just, just the whole thing was just so far from anything else I'd ever done. Uh, getting to work with all the girls and just getting to just be as obnoxious and silly and whatever as possible. Hold on, stop right there. Um, how was that, Caleb? Because there were some hot chicks you were working with. <laughs> I mean, I am uh, fully invested in my relationship and nothing, nothing uh, as far as them being hot had anything to do with it. But it was cool to be around it, you know, like... <laughs> I was the. I had a storyline with four of the hottest women in wrestling, and like I'm just not that I'm. My hands are completely tied here, but yeah, like it was fun. It, wow. All of those girls were great to work with too, so that was super cool. All right, well, I wasn't asking you anything innuendo. I was. Uh, yeah, it <laughs> sounded like you were doing some innuendo. I know who you are. Uh, well, <laughs> as The Rock would say, I'm a sick freak. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No, but but how was it though? What I'm saying is because I I'm still getting ahead because there's something else I was going to bring up. I'll bring this up now. I've got something else for later. But I will say one of the biggest compliments I ever heard. Gail Kim was an agent, and they were talking about a spot that they were doing in a tag match with you. You were on the outside. You weren't involved in the match, believe it or not. Um, and they were going to do this um, thing off the top rope where you were going to be the catcher. Yes. And the girl. Jordan Grace. I know I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Then tell me about it because I can tell you that, well, here's the thing. They said they'd never done it. They were not worried about it because Caleb's got it all covered. And I'm like, wow, that's a huge fucking, that's huge. Because she was scared as shit. But then everybody was like, don't, don't be. I don't even know why I had the match. But anyway, um, they were like, don't be afraid. Caleb's got you. So go tell the spot. Cause I, I don't remember it exactly. I don't, I don't remember exactly the spot either, but I know that Jordan grace was going to do a dive. I don't know if it was a suicide dive or if it was like an off the top rope thing or whatever it was, but whatever it was, she hit like, we had kind of like, all right, so I'll be here. And I think the girls were there also, but they were like, I was going to take most of it, but they were going to be there. You were center and they were on the left and right. Yes. So we had all these people out there ready to catch, and she comes in like a ball of steam. Jordan Grace, by the way, maybe the stiffest person I've ever been in the ring with. She hits harder than almost every man I've ever been hit by. <laughs> Besides maybe Drew McIntyre, she hits so hard. Uh, so anyways, she comes barreling full of, full steam, and I catch her, but she's going so fast, and she's coming down like toward – Toward the ramp, but like right where the lights are. So she's yep. he's about to go face first into like all these expensive ass lights. And then I remember like just like last second kind of not spine bustering her, but like repositioning her body so then she would just land, land like flat on top of me instead of going a nosedive right to the right into the whatever the ramp is made out of. You basically protected her. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> And all, all those girls knew that I would do that for them. So, like, mm -hmm. that was – I always I really appreciated, like, the fact that they would trust me to make them look better. Yeah, because that, that was the thing. I went to Gail, uh, and I was like, Gail, this is not going to be good. She was like, I swear to you, I'm not lying to you when I told you that. She was nonchalant about it at all. She's like, I'm not worried about it because Caleb's out there. No big deal. Um, I was like, Wow. And, and you know what? Not because I didn't think that that would be like 
her exact, like what she said, I didn't think that I wouldn't say that either. But what I'm saying is that those girls did believe in you, which was crazy to me because there's ego, man. There's ego. So, you know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely. But so, you know, for me, like I'm, I'm not, they don't think I'm coming for their spot. I'm not coming for, to win the women's title or whatever. I'm just there to make the product better, hopefully. So I think they all were like, yeah, like, and they, they would all listen to my ideas and, you know, Gail and Madison are the, the agents, but a lot of times they would have, you know, seven other matches to worry about. And they'd be like, Caleb, can you just kind of like help this out a little bit, put it together a little bit for us. And I'd be like, sure man i would love to like that's i love playing with that stuff and making it better like that's amazing having that kind of trust and 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 uh with the again the producer slash agent and stuff like that yeah. and you mentioned earlier that that's something you would love to uh, i would love do to. In, but there's also been a lot of talk lately elsewhere about dream matches and dream opponents and i'm not saying that you're anywhere near the end of your career but is there someone that you would love to get in the ring with and have a match with that you haven't had the opportunity to um, face um, yet? I've been pretty lucky to be in the ring with a lot of really p good people. Um, I've been on a ton of shows with AJ Styles, but I've never worked him. So, I mean, that would be really incredible. Same with like Seth Rollins. I was on a lot of early like FIP shows when he was hadn't quite broke yet. And I was pretty brand new. So like, it's kind of cool to see the people that, I mean, AJ was a huge star already by the time I started, but like, it's cool to see people that I've been on shows with who are now like the top echelon of the business. And I would, those two guys would probably be one and two, probably I would say. Very cool. Unless I can get a chance for another Ric Flair's last match. Cause I would do that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we talked at the beginning of the show uh, in our first count about the rebranding, I guess you could say, of Impact going to TNA as of next, uh, as of January 2024. You were there with TNA. You were there with its Impact. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because there's, you know, there's a lot of different, different avenues that people are taking with this. Honestly, man, I, I don't know. I assume it's mostly for like a branding purposes i i heard like that overseas they're still calling it tna anyways so i i don't know i guess probably from an investor standpoint maybe it's better i don't i don't know i do know like right before the pandemic when they brought me back as suicide that was it was like moose had just started doing like the tna world championship stuff and i think there was kind of a plan at that point to either do like a TNA impact, almost like raw SmackDown roster split, or they were going to, they were talking about doing like changing the name to TNA eventually at that point too. And then the pandemic kind of like put the halt on that. But I, I don't, I don't know that I have a, a an opinion one way or the other. Um, I think the whole reason that it stopped being TNA in the first place was just like the double entendre of tits and ass. So I don't, I don't know that in 2023 it's going to be any better to call your company tits and ass, but you know, who do, what do I know? I mean, the fans are always going to call it TNA regardless. So I guess maybe just call it TNA. Caleb, it's not tits and ass. It's total nonstop action. <laughs> Is that what that means? The whole time I've been there, I thought it was tits and ass. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up, B. <laughs> Teachers. Did y'all hear me? I said it on my kids' teachers. 
Huh? Oh. <laughs> yeah. <that's wild. laughs> that always looks good at the Parrot Conference. Mm -hmm. Who does your dad work for? TNA. Pardon me. <laughs> our, our, our big thing our big thing on it um is basically we just don't know what it does for them uh, and, yeah, you know. i don't either it seems it seems like it's a lateral move but i mean i guess i assume it's because of like financial investors or whatever the the, the brand name holds more water or something but what do i know uh, what do i know either man <laughs> so so caleb hey buddy we're going to come back with our third count. We're going to get some fan questions in. Cool. Uh, we're going to have our own questions in. And we'll be right back after this with our third count. All right. Let's talk about sex, guys. Shouldn't you always be at your best? 2023 is the year to maximize your performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in the line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Don't be that guy that says, I don't need it. You don't know until you try. You could be missing out on the best sex of your life. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived and always leave them satisfied and wanting more try blue chew for free when you use the promo code refin at checkout just pay five dollars shipping that's bluechew.com promo code refin r-e-f-i-n to receive your first month free visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information and we thank blue chew for sponsoring this show today blue chew chew it and do it is your three count. We are back with our third count here on Reffing It Up with Caleb Conley. Um, my, my, my dear friend. And um, Caleb, a fan question wanted to know. This is actually kind of interesting and I can't wait to hear your answer, to be honest okay. with you. What would you tell someone wanting to be in the business that they should be prepared that they should be prepared for while trying to get to their dream. Oh man. Uh yeah, toughy, right? Because uh you've gone through some shit. There's so much. There's you gotta be prepared for politics, you gotta be prepared for uh <laughs> everything that goes on outside like you gotta, if you go if you want a family life, you gotta incorporate that with it. Uh, you're going to miss birthdays and weddings and anniversaries and everything else in the world. Uh, you gotta be, you gotta be prepared to just kind of like throw 100% of yourself into it. You know, like some people get lucky and 
have an easy go of it and they can kind of find their way to the top if they're really lucky. But man, most people have to just eat shit for a long time before they can really get anywhere. Would you, would you get up on that? Would, would you say this though? Because uh, I experienced this. Would you say that if you're an emotional guy, and I don't mean like a, a bitch, I'm just saying like if you have emotions, which we all do. Yeah. Where one guy says something that means nothing to him, but means so much more to you, meaning a job, like just a, just a, just a jab at you, you know, and you don't, it's, it's, it's said to be like nonchalant, but like really hit you in the heart because it's happened to me way earlier in my career. It happened a lot where, where it was just like, you, you have to almost say like, you have to lose your emotions. Like you can't have them anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are going to – people will want you to do good but not better than you. So the, the moment, like, it seems like you're going to maybe take their spot or whatever it is, they're going to do whatever they can, just make little jabs or whatever it is. It's just – man, yeah, you can't, you can't become overly emotional at any point. You kind of have to just, like, grit, grit your teeth and just go. And, and and doesn't it suck even worse when you know you could beat that little fucker's ass? <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. That that is that is a very uh, irritating feeling when you're just like handcuffed. Like I should get revenge or I should get even or whatever this case may be, but I just can't do anything. I just have to sit here and take it right now. I mean, because that that's the major thing is because when I when I want to train someone, I always tell them that you have to give them respect. You know what I mean? You have to give yeah. the ahead of you respect. Whether you can beat his ass or not, and he says shit to you that you know that you'd like to smack him across his fucking face, but you have to put up with the shit. You do because yeah. you're gonna you're gonna ruin your career if you don't listen to this guy who's belittling you, and emotionally it hurts, but it's just part of what it is. You know what I mean? That's the tough part about this business. People don't understand. Yeah, the the, the emotional, the mental abuse, the just whatever it is, like sometimes you just have a bad day and you're just like, man, this, why didn't I choose a different path? But you're like, nope, I'm already on this one, man. I'm just going to just suck it up. Can't and let these people it, get to you. Ride out the storm, so to speak. If, if yeah. You got to ride out the storm. storm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I know, I know I don't want to get too personal behind the scenes here, but you, you talk, you know, being in a relationship uh, with someone who's not in the business is difficult enough, especially when you have to travel as much, but, how, how how difficult is it being in a relationship with someone else in the business? It can be it can be real bad. Um, you know, if it's one of those situations where you're doing good and they're not, or they're going good and you're not, like not let the jealousy of their success uh, take over, or you know, vice versa, or just like the stuff that happens backstage when you know everyone is going one way or another and there's jealousy and there's just everything in the world. It, it can be, it, 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 I, for me personally, I have dated girls in the business and I feel like when it's good, it's easier, but when it's bad, it's bad. Can you elaborate on maybe who you've dated in the business? Uh, well, I dated Daphne uh, for a long time when I was in my early twenties. Uh, we were, doing pretty good then she signed with tna i don't what year that was like 2012 or something along those lines 
and uh, just her being gone a lot. And I was young and jealous and I, I wasn't getting, you know, what I needed out of the relationship. And I guess she wasn't either. So we, you know, we didn't last long after she got signed back to TNA and uh, I'm currently dating Chris Statlander and she's with AEW and I was at TNA or impact or whatever it's going to be called. <laughs> so we were, you know, opposite schedules. She would be gone on Wednesday. I'd be gone on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, you know, just trying to make that kind of stuff work is just trying to be able to, you know, support each other, but then also actually have a home life together. It it can be stressful. Now, now, you know, the whole saying, and I'm not trying to belittle anything, but, you know, the whole saying, you know, that you don't date anyone in the business. You know that, right? Well, I mean, that's easier said than done. Like once you're in the <laughs> business and that's all you're around, like it's also very hard to date normal people. What's what do you mean normal people? I'm normal. <laughs> someone who's not in wrestling. If they're not a fan of wrestling, like in my in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, I should date uh, a, a good girl that has a good office job or cuts hair or whatever it is and doesn't really care about wrestling. That would make, you know, that would make things easier. But it doesn't because they don't know what you're going through. I have a hard time relating to regular people that do regular jobs like everyone who is even close to being my friend is like somehow related to wrestling. Listen, like, I'm a, listen, I'm, I'm the Dr. Phil of this. Cause listen, I'm a pro at this. That's why I'm separated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, right. That was, I love that, you, man. I love you oh, so man. much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Now you know, to get back like storylines, was there anything ever a chance there and whatever promotion and you don't have to be specific if you don't want to, was there anything that that was ever pitched to you that said, and you said to yourself or said out loud, yeah, man, that just, that's not sitting right. Or were you basically, Hey, all gung ho. Let's you know, full go. Um, I feel like there have been a couple times where I've not been into something. Um, I don't, I, I, I have a hard time balancing when to stick up for myself and when not to. I feel like anytime I've really been like, hey, no, I don't want to do this. It, It's not like, hey, let's pitch something else. It's kind of like, all right, well, if you don't want to do what you, you want to do, well, then just hit the road. Uh, I don't feel like I've had that option. So for most of the time, I've just kind of been like, whatever you got, I'll do it and make the best of it. That's kind of how I've always felt about it, mostly. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be a general consensus. A lot of a lot of time, it's just like, hey, we'll just kind of you know, reinvent this or reinvent that, and you know, make the best out of that of uh, of that situation or whatever storyline that you that you have pitched to you. Yeah, um, unless you're one of those lucky guys that really has some pool, or if you're, you know, it seems like guys who have a uh, a uh, history of being hard to deal with. It doesn't seem to slow them down so much. It just makes uh, maybe the writers a little more cautious about what they pitch to them, which hmm, I feel like I'm pretty easy going. So they kind of just expect me to do whatever. Right. Well, I also say this, um, don't get me wrong. Gail Kim retweets a lot of my stuff, but she doesn't about my podcast. But when she found out you were all there, she actually retweeted it. And I was just like, uh-huh. You meant a lot to her, man. 
I I love Gail. Gail has always been super great to me. Like she's nothing but the best for her. And, you know, I owe her a lot because if she didn't trust me to be good with the girls, I don't know that the character would have ever done much. Like it could have easily been one of those things that was on TV for a month and then just disappeared. But a lot of people in the right places there trusted me for that. And I'm, I'm forever grateful for all of the writers that helped with me doing that and especially Gail and Madison for being the agents for all that stuff. That's, that's actually amazing. I mean, it really is truly amazing because, you know, Gail Kim's a, uh, quite a, um, qu quite a worker. <laughs> definitely. Definitely is. Yeah. Had a, a long, uh, long time, um, career that existed of nothing but greatness in my opinion. Yeah. She's <laughs> man. She's so good. She's, is, isn't she from Canada? Mm, I, think so. mm. I think she's I think she's Toronto. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, she's Canadian but wants to be American. There we go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of. Yeah. Uh, we have a uh, question here from uh, WWE Master 2018. Uh, he wants to know: Do you have any funny backstage stories in Impact? wrestling now tna in 2024 as we mentioned or funny stories with johnny swinger um a lot of the stuff i would do with johnny swinger um all, all of it was funny we did like the the wrestle house thing in vegas we were there for two days filming like 18 hours straight it was ridiculous and at some point they had not even like they had kind they had wrote the story out like three fourths of the way. And then all of a sudden it was the last night and it was like three o'clock in the morning and they had just kind of like ran out of the story and they're like, all right, swinger, just, you know, make up some lines and go. And like, he would just go and have a ball. Also Johnny swinger, before I even moved to high spots, I think he might've just been released from deep South. I think he was there for a little bit, but he was, the trainer at this school in Georgia, uh, this little show. Uh, and um, I would drive, it was on a Wednesday night and I would drive two and a half, three hours every week to go to his little school and we'd train for a couple hours. And then the next day there would be a little, a show. And that's like the first time I ever got to meet like the diamonds in the rough and uh, man, who else was there? There's a whole bunch of like early TNA guys. Chase Stevens would be there from time to time. I guess the naturals all together. So Swinger, I've known Swinger basically the whole time I've been wrestling, and he's always just been the best dude. Like always, he was always, even as like a 19 year old punk kid who had no business being in the ring, he was always quick to like help me out and tell me what I was doing good and how to make things better. And you know, it's it, and you know now it's cool to kind of be on like the same level on it as him. And I get to see him and we're friends now. It's really cool to go from like being mentored, like friends. I have a, I have a, nice. I have a story about Johnny Swinger, man, which is pretty funny. Um, we were, we were actually in uh, Philly, I believe I could be wrong. I probably am. Cause my brain is fucked. Um, but I get up uh, in the morning and I go up into the gym up in the holiday Inn. I know, I know it's a holiday Inn. I know that. And just do a little, you know, chest shoulder workout real quick. And uh, he walks in the gym and he's like, hey, brother. I'm like, hey, man, how you doing, man? He's like, good. He's good, good, good. What you doing? And I said, I'm 
get a little quick workout in. He goes, brother, I've never seen a referee come into a gym and work out at a hotel. <laughs> wow, I'm trying to get ready for today. We got TV today. He goes, he looks right at me and he goes, that's what I'm talking about, brother. It's called dedication, daddy. And I said, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. That's, that's no big deal. And he's like, oh, it means a lot to me, though. He goes, you're looking good, buddy. I said, thank you. I mean, that's that's cool, though, man, because, you know, he he doesn't have to say shit. You know what I mean? No, he don't have to at all. But he did. So it was awesome. Made my day. <laughs> Brian, you're looking great right, right now, man. I really appreciate the effort you're putting in. I am too, man. I'm, 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 it's, it's hard, but I like it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's, a, uh, it's, it's a grind, dude. It's a grind. You know how it is, man. You got to get to the door and then you're good. Yep. Exactly. Sucks sometimes, but once you get going, you'll feel better. There, there's been so many days, man, where I'm just like, you know what? I am not going today. And then I start feeling this guilt trip all over. Like, like I've cheated on my girlfriend, yep. which I don't, which I don't have one by the way, but I know how it used to be. And, It'd just be like, fuck, all right, I got to go. I got to go. And then once yeah. I got the door, they're usually the best workouts for some reason. Yeah. Because you go hard because you're, you're you're mad at yourself for being a punk. And then you're yeah. like, well, I just got to go double hard now. Yep, exactly. I do that all the time, man. All the time. It's a battle. So what um, – obviously, we talked before we uh, – um came back to our third count here. We talked about what you're currently doing now. Are you just, are you staying, you know, centralized down there in Carolinas or are you kind of just going where, where, where you can? Man, I'll, I'll go anywhere that they'll pay me. I'll go to, I'll go to <laughs> Kiev, Ukraine right this second. If they booked me on a show, uh, I don't <laughs> care. Um, but yeah, I mean, mostly, mostly Southeast stuff, but there for a while i was doing some stuff in vegas all the time or like out in portland but yeah right now man uh seems like the economy is taking its toll on flights and kind of had to like back off on that kind of stuff and mostly southeast stuff right now yeah if you want to book yeah, me in hungary seems... i'll be there man <laughs> well caleb hey, do me a, do me a favor stay out of israel stay out of uh china stay out of those places right now please and it depends on how much they pay me man <laughs> I'm not going to go for cheap, but I can't say no. I got you. Well, we're going to do this, man. We're going to close shop up. We don't want to keep you too long. We don't like keeping our guests too long because we know you're important and you have a schedule and you're a busy dude. So with that being said, what I want you to do is this. Put out all your socials, man. Tell us where you're going, where you're doing. Whatever you want to put out there, put it out there. Um, Instagram at Caleb Conley, C-A-L-E-B-K-O-N-L-E-Y. Same with Twitter. Uh, I, I think that's Facebook also official Caleb Conley, maybe. Um, when does this come out immediately or tomorrow. is it a couple weeks? Tomorrow. 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 Uh, I'll be doing an autograph signing somewhere in West Virginia. I'm not sure where off the top of my head, but on Saturday, <laughs> uh, I'm going to be in, uh, Shit, I'm terrible at this. Somewhere Sunday, just check out my socials, man. I'm always posting flyers and whatnot, letting people know where I'm going to be. That was the worst plug I've ever had of any guest right there. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I need to get better at that part. You just check out my socials. You'll find me, man. There you go. Find me. Well, you got to say it slower for people like me. Say it one more time, your social. All right. My social media, Twitter, 
Facebook, Instagram. That's all I got. No, no, uh, no TikTok. Not gonna have it. It's at Caleb Conley. It's my name. Got it. That makes it easier. Absolutely. There you go. Okay. Well, before you leave, I just want you to know this, and I think you already know, you are a true, genuine friend to me, and um, I love you to death, man, and I wish nothing but the best for you. I will help you any way I can, man, and um, I will say this. You are a very underrated wrestler and a very underrated talent in general, Um, not just in the ring, but in ring general, and um, I have been trying to get to you for at least two weeks, but but you just, whatever. You must have lost your phone. <laughs> I lost my phone. You also called me. It was on my grandma's 95th birthday. And then I was hanging out with her. And I thought I was going to call you back. And I just forgot, man. I'm sorry. Uh, well, look, if I could just say this, uh, Caleb, it, it was a pleasure meeting you and getting to know you. And, and hearing your story. Well. And uh, it, what I want right now, most of all, is to, uh, after a show one time, get to sit with you and Brian in a bar and just listen to some of the stories because they, they sound like really fantastic. Man, that would that would be awesome. I would love to do that anytime, anywhere, man. Jimmy, I'm not sure you want to do that, but okay. <laughs> hey, I want to do it. As someone who survived Andre getting him drunk before a show. <laughs> okay, let me put that. Yeah. You, let, for anybody who's met him knows you don't say no to Andre when he offers you a drink. That's all. When, when, when me and Caleb start drinking, we don't like anyone for real. Just each other. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're a real Hebner then? Yes. 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 <laughs> no doubt. Well, Caleb, thank oh, you for being out, man. I do, really do appreciate it. And um, I will definitely catch up with you later. And uh, God bless you. And I hope you have a fucking wonderful night. And I want you to have a wonderful career. And I know it's going to happen because somebody's going to notice what they haven't yet. So. Oh, man, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on and let me shoot the shit with you. That is uh, one definite thing after listening to Caleb talk is something that you mentioned, Brian, and I want to reiterate it is very underrated wrestler, very underrated talent. And wrestling mind is absolutely phenomenal. Just the stories, the ideas that there's that Caleb has it's just second to none. And it, wh- whatever company decides that, Hey, we're going to sign this kid that they're going to, they're going to get one hell of a guy. Absolutely. And what I think is cool about our podcast is that, uh, yeah, he's not, he's not the rock. He, he He's not, uh, you know, Bubba, Bubba Dudley. He's not, you know, Al Snow. He's Caleb Conley. And he's a guy that should be on notice because I've worked with the guy and I'm telling you right now, People label wrestlers as stupid sometimes. And I can tell you right now, he's far from fucking stupid. This guy has a lot of sense and knows a lot about this business and learn from a very, very good tree. Uh, especially when, you know, when you're talking about who he were, you know, was trained by, but, mm-hmm. um, but yes, I, I thought this was an awesome episode. People can hear like this, this, the struggles too, you know what I mean? Which is cool. Um, not cool, but you know what I mean? Like cool to hear. And, um, He's going to do something, man. Trust me. He would do something. I have watched this guy for a long, long time. What did he say? He was 21 years old, 20 years old when we, me and him first met. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. about 37 or something now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was I was probably 100. Um, but... <laughs> no, that was me. That was me. Oh, sorry, oh, Jimmy. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I didn't mean to take your spot. No, you were only 98. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. 
Awesome, man. I, I, I love the guy. What a genuine guy. Really, seriously. Like, he was so fun to hang out with and just chill. And just, like, just to be around and talk wrestling. You know what I mean? And awesome, dude. Awesome, dude. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed getting to know him and getting to hear those stories and getting to hear about his struggles. And 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 I felt the same as you, Brian. I felt that, it, you know, you can sense there was a trust there in him from others. And that's that's huge. And I got a sense of that wrestling mind working, you know, that you're talking about melding old school with new school and that sort of stuff. So it, it was a pleasure getting to know him and talk to him today. Yeah, for sure. Um, but coming up uh, next week, we are just realized last week, thanks to Jimmy, because I totally escaped my mind because I'm just I'm go, go, go all the time, as everybody knows. Um, Halloween is next week. And. We are going to be spending some time with the family. Uh, we'll be going to be still putting out a show that we did a little while back with Gang Growl as kind of a Halloween spooktacular, if you will. Um, but uh, absolutely phenomenal show that we did with Gang Growl a little while back. So that will be out on, at the uh, regular time next Wednesday. Um, so stay tuned for that. But Jimmy, man, you're back and you're better than ever. You're all over the place. I'm loving your reference uh, rant each and every day, man. Absolutely phenomenal. How can uh, people see those and uh, support you? Well, I appreciate that very much. Uh, obviously, you can see me you know, or hear me here on the Reffin' It Out podcast with my good brother in stripes, Brian Heber, and you, RJ, who helps hold the show together. Thank you very much. And as far as the Reffin' Rants go, you can catch it on all my social media platforms, my Facebook, uh, my Instagram, which is at Real Jimmy Corderas, and my Twitter, which is at Jimmy Corderas. And like I say, they're little critiques to not tear down, but to help tighten screws that I think need to be tightened in this business. And of course, uh, as far as where else you can see me, Monday nights after Raw and Wednesday nights after Dynamite, you can see me on the Wrestling Inc. Uh, post-show podcast uh, with my good buddy, Justin Labar and others as we break down what we just saw that night. Cool deal, dude. Uh, Jimmy, what time do you do your... Uh... Your, your your gimmick there, the reference. Yeah, your reference. What time do you do that? Well, it 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 depends. Sometimes it's first thing in the morning, you know, uh, or if it's, uh, for example, uh, the Tuesday one. I usually do late Monday night because you know I'm up late doing that podcast afterwards. For for and I, I'm not getting up early, you right. know. So uh, sometimes it's the night before, and sometimes it's early that morning. But uh, you know. Uh, like it depends on the day let's put it that way or the night <laughs> well you need to be more consistent for me i need to be more consistent I, I like it in the morning when i wake up get my cup of coffee and chill i, I but it's not there sometimes and sometimes it's there and i'm like i can't keep up uh, it, well um you know sometimes it's a little later than other days but uh that all depends on what happened the night before that's all we'll, we'll just keep doing them anyway I, i'll watch it appreciate uh, it man appreciate it I love it. And it's usually spot on as, as even Chimmel admitted, if we can bring his name up. Who, 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 no, no, who, no, we said boo, boo. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, let's get out of here guys. Um, uh, at baby Hebner, Twitter, Instagram, good to go. Um, I'm nowhere else except in my house. That's, that's, all that, that's all that matters. Yeah. As long as you know where you are, Brian, that's all that matters. Or, or as long as I know where my phone's at, that's all that matters. But anyway, well, that too. There's an app for that. I think there's an app for that. You might want to talk to one of your kids. They'll probably be able to help you out with that. 
Well, they bought me an Apple thing that you put on your gimmick. So you, if you lose it, you can find it or some shit. But I'm like, how are you going to put it on your phone when you don't have a phone to find it? Hmm. Things There's an app for that. Hmm. There's yeah. an app for that. They want you to buy more stuff. <laughs> yeah. Fuck all that. I'll buy a new phone. Let's go. Uh, but no, I want to give an honest shout, a couple of other shout outs to uh, JD Hoop, who does absolutely phenomenal with our graphics each and every week. AJ McKay's killing it over there at OVW. Uh, he does a great job with the uh, with the sounders for us, the intros, the outros, all that good stuff. Um, you can catch the shows uh, pages on Instagram and the Twitter at Refin It Up. Uh, absolutely phenomenal show this week, guys. I appreciate what you two do for the show and do for this and do for the wrestling business. Then, now, and forever, if I may take a phrase from a once great company. But anyways, um, thank you for tuning in this week. For Jimmy Caderas and Brian Hebner, I'm RJ. We will see you here next week on Reffing It Up. One, two, three.